and welcome back to another episode of A Rambling Podcast with Another Bloody Critic. I am Adam Schultz, Another Bloody Critic, and I'm joined once again this week by Saxon Bell. It's good to be here, Adam. It's good to be out in the rain. Well, yeah. Out of the rain. Yes, we're not recording outside <coughs> this time. <laughs> um, Production values have gone yeah, up. Though I can add bird noises in the background if people really want them. <laughs> uh, so this week we've got a couple of reviews to get through before we get started. Later on in the episode we will be talking about Will Ferrell movies and some of the good one, ones we like. So just a bit of a career retrospective of Will Ferrell. But before we do that, we've got a couple of reviews. Uh, first, Saxon went out this weekend. Uh, went to the cinema to see the new Transformers movie. Nice. So uh, I'll hand it over to him and he can tell you why you should definitely see this movie. Okay, so to disclaimer, I did not see any of the other Transformers movies. This is my first foray into the Transformers universe with movie number five. And um, clearly some things have happened because in this instance it opens up with both Autobots and Decepticons being bad. Like the, there's like a global government that's against them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah Optimus Prime is gone. Yeah. And there's like, like a sort of a no-go zone in America where like there's a, like a handful of people that are just wandering around still honouring the, the name of Optimus Prime. And yeah, that's where Marky Mark comes in. Uh, if, if he's a kept an important character earlier on in the se- series, I I don't know. <laughs> he was he was he was the lead in the fourth movie but hadn't appeared in any of the others before that. Okay, cool. Before that was Charlotte Reintroduced to Marky Mark, he, he's very clearly the, the main guy who's like taking care of the Autobots at this point. Um, there's still some Decepticons running around, but the, occasionally there's a big robot fight. Yeah, shocko. Um, and then it opens up with kids going into this no-go zone, and explosions happen against them robots um, and then yeah Marky Mark comes and saves the day out of those kids tells them to get lost and then we're introduced to like the most pointless character in the movie which is some girl I can't remember her name she's not that important and then and then the rest of it is just Optimus Prime going to Cybertron to see what happened to his home planet and then Cybertron coming to Earth to suck out the essence of her. That's not very explained very well. I had explained it better. And that's the movie. It's stopping Cybertron, the planet, coming to Earth. Cool. I do want to ask you, just before we get into initial thoughts, the trailers had Merlin and King Arthur and the Nazis. This The movie, act, like the opening scene to this movie, I should say, is yeah no it's 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 historical in quotes opening it shows the history of Autobots on Earth and the first instance of Autobots on Earth is King Arthur who is real in this universe oh good yeah um, 
Because the whole plot hinges on that there is a descendant of Merlin. And yeah, it's, it's about as good as you think. Um, the one thing that almost, almost saves this movie is Anthony Hopkins. The bits that he's in it, by far the best bits in the movie. But just because acting caliber goes up, I think. And yeah, so there's this historical thing where like, yeah, the Autobots have helped out like one of King Arthur's major attacks on the Saxons, apparently, and like a big metal dragon comes down and saves the day, and then Bumblebee helps save, uh, he, he kills Nazis in World War II. <laughs> Like it turns out there's this whole uh, guild of people that come around protecting the history of Transformers interaction with humans. Uh, Anthony Hopkins being the last one. Right. Sounds brilliant. It's, it's so well done, you don't understand. <laughs> Hint of sarcasm. Yes. <laughs> Alright, so, okay. The movie goes for two hours and 45 minutes and thereabouts. About an hour and a half too long. It's a typical Michael Bay movie where it, like a lot is going on on the screen. Not a lot happens anywhere else. So when Cybertron comes to Earth, there's like, a, it, the effects you can't, you know, I don't have a problem with the effects, but there's a point where they go, Right, here's where we need to go. 20 minutes later, they get there. Just there's like a load of explosions. It's it's so dull. Once you get over the cool explosions, as soon as Anthony Hopkins leaves, it's just the dullest, the dullest movie I've seen. It might be the dullest movie I've seen this year. <laughs> it is terrible. But there's hints of good about it. Okay, so like like I said, Anthony Hopkins is genuinely the best thing about this movie. Um, he goes through the history of the like the human interaction with Transformers. That's actually pretty interesting. Mm. He Anthony Hopkins like pulls that off with a sense of gravitas. I don't think anyone else could, mm. and it's not awful. The King Arthur bit's awful, but if you gloss over that, it's 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 not terrible. Um, yeah, Marky Mark, he's, he's in it. He, he plays like this, this, the stock hero dude. Uh, he doesn't actually do much. Like, he, he, he's played off as the hero, I think, but not. Yeah. yeah. Again, sounds exactly like the fourth movie. And then, yeah, and like Optimus Prime's not in it for like the longest time. Like, for half the movie, he's not in it. So that's like a good hour and a half. He's just not in the movie. Have they given a character trait to any of the other Transformers yet? Uh, this is something I was discussing, if you were listening to the podcast last week, we were saying that one of the things Transformers needs to do to make a good movie is to give character definition to some of the Transformers other than Optimus Prime beyond the past character traits they've given to them, which have been this one is slightly Asian and does Asian things, and this one has a southern accent and likes guns. Uh, there is one, there is one, I guess he's an Autobot, he's definitely not a Decepticon. Um, he's voiced by Steve Buscemi. Oh, good. Uh, he's the most interesting 
robot in this. He has the most character depth. He is basically like a trader. Ah. Um, trader, not traitor. Um, and he's basically he's selling stuff he collects. And he's in it for about three minutes. And in that three minutes, you get more depth than you get out of almost everyone. <laughs> so yeah, that, that's a thing. Uh, and yeah, so there's like a huge... There was, yeah, like I said, there's good points. There's like the Anthony Hopkins stuff was actually pretty okay. I could get along with that. Um, I get the overall point of them trying to stop Cybertron from coming to Earth to suck out the min minerals, or uh, it's not explained. But, uh, and the design of the main villain in this, who isn't actually Megatron, it's s like some other strange robot on With Cybertron. Ah. Is it the one that has, because at the end of the fourth movie there was a Megatron, Megatron's mind was uploaded into some new new transformer that Stanley Tucci made because I forget like this, this is my first foray <laughs> to Transformers I, I yeah. do not know what happened previously yeah. all I know is, is that this one was not good <laughs> so no, but like the design of that robot is quite cool it's, it wasn't it didn't look like a Decepticon it didn't look like an Autobot it was this weird sort of Medusa looking thing uh, no that would be a new one yeah it, it was it, like again the effects were cool it's a, it's a Michael Bay movie. That that was all that was, like that's like his point, I guess, to yeah. life. It's like how can we throw in more explosions? Yeah. But yeah, that that like the design of her was cool, and yeah, when Optimus Prime meets her and turns, oh, it's it's so it's not confusing. It's so stupidly straightforward, but it just takes so long to get anywhere. Between explosions and gunfights and Marky Mark being Marky Mark and pointless characters who like show up once for like no reason. Like the, the girl I was talking about earlier who just crops up, who is possibly the most useless character I've ever seen in a movie mm. ever, is only there to introduce this stupid blue robot. That's that, that's her purpose, is to of course, the cute, stupid blue robot saves the day, but like we, yeah, that's her purpose is to introduce that robot, and it's, she didn't need to be in it. <laughs> Why doesn't Marky Mark just build it? Like it's yeah. there's a thousand other ways to get around this without introducing pointless characters. Yeah, and uh, well, we're we're moving very well into our time frame here, and yeah. so I might push you for a score out of five on. It's, a, it's it's like a one point four nine. One point four nine. Whoa. Like with flashes of good, mm. it was just a. It took a long time to get to those good bits, and I just could not recommend this to yeah. anyone who's got half a brain. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. That's the lowest score we've had on this podcast yet. You've beaten my score for the mummy. <laughs> so. Uh, so that would be Transformers The Last Night. So that's two, two hours and 45 minutes. It was something like that. It was long. <laughs> well, I, I got the lucky lucky draw in this week's thing because mine was quite a short movie. Uh, I went to see the latest offering from Disney Pixar, which was uh, Cars 3. 
uh, the sequel, of course, to Cars 2, which was, of course, the sequel to Toy Story. Uh, Is that uh, how it works? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think that's how it works. Um, so we've got Cars 3. It starts off where the last one left off, I presume. Uh, I've, I've tried to repress the last one, but we've got Lightning McQueen racing, doing the NASCAR thing, continuing to race, and continuing to be quite good at racing. Until one day this new racer shows up on the scene, uh, Jackson Storm. It's this new breed of super sports car. Looks like a Lamborghini, drives around. And he starts destroying everyone in these races. And more and more cars that sort of fit his model start showing up in the race and displacing all the ones Lightning McQueen could beat until he's the lone old car in these races. Sounds so, like Rocky. So, yeah. Yeah, basically, they did take a lot from Rocky in this. <coughs> so he gets to a stage where he has to... he There's some sort of thing with his sponsors being sold, so he's now owned by some corporate car, uh, this random BMW buys him. Uh, and uh, he's given an ultimatum. He said, uh, you win your next race or you retire. And... Um, Lightning McQueen, during, due to having the biggest ego in cinema this year, and this is in a year where there was literally a character in one of the movies called Ego the Living Planet. <laughs> uh, Lightning decides he must win this race because you know, otherwise he'd have to retire and do something other than turn left. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, so the main plot of the movie is Lightning McQueen going off and training with a hotshot new train. train. Uh, he gets a new trainer and he goes off to train, try to be to beat these new cars and become the head of the racing again. Sounds like so, Rocky. Yeah, it is. It is. They, to be fair, they did Rocky. <laughs> and to be fair to this movie, it is better than Cars too. Which, you know, in terms of hurdles to jump, it's not the biggest. <laughs> Um, it was, but it was, there was some good bits. I laughed once. The laugh was for a reference to Toy Story, so, you know, maybe it showed that I wanted to be somewhere else, but I, uh, it, but it was probably around the level that the first Cars movie was. So the first Cars movie came out, well, in the middle of Pixar's heyday when they're throwing out The Incredibles, they're throwing out Wally, and Cars came right in the middle of that, and everyone just went, yeah, yeah. That was, I think that was a general consensus. It yeah. was just like, I, yeah. And that's the same with this one. I saw that one. Yeah, yeah. It happened. It was a movie. Um, the voice actors were all mostly returning from previous installments. Um, what I found really interesting, they reu reused and used deleted footage from uh, of Paul Newman recording, because Paul Newman played Doc Hudson in the first uh, Cars movie. Lightning McQueen's mentor and they do a lot of flashbacks to him and they use a lot of deleted scenes from the first Cars movie where Paul Newman recorded these lines and wove them into the story I thought that was that was really good to be able to utilise Paul Newman years after his death that, that does sound cool but unfortunately like now Paul Newman's last credit yeah, is, is officially is Cars, Cars 3 <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know you've got you've got the you've got the regular cast you've got uh, Owen Wilson returning as Lightning McQueen doing the Owen Wilson thing. 
you've got and just looking at features what their names were you've got professional yeah yes uh, we've got Bonnie Hunt returns as the girlfriend car she gets about three lines so um, Kerry Washington shows up in this movie as a as a NASCAR statistician which <laughs> you know that works uh, Nathan Fillion plays the uh, plays the car that buys out Lightning McQueen's sponsorship so, so he's there and he's got some fun bits um, the cocky car that comes in Jackson Storm is played by Army Hammer so uh, the Lone Ranger oh, uh, man, man from Uncle Man from Uncle uh, the Social Network is one we probably should credit him for that was a terrible movie yeah uh, <laughs> um, but yeah the, the best thing I think about the casting is how little they used Larry the Cable Guy <laughs> So in the first movie, he came in as the sidekick character of uh, Mater. And in this movie, I was super pumped because the second movie, Cars 2, you had um, the main plot of Cars 2 was Mater accidentally joined a top secret British spy organisation. I missed that one, yeah. <laughs> and uh, teamed up with Michael Caine, who was playing some sort of vintage Oh, no, was Kane and Larry the Cable Guy. <laughs> yeah, it was a double act and a half. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this time round, he just gets little cameo pop-ups, which I was saying similar things about Despicable Me last week when I reviewed that. It works somehow to have these over-the-top stupid characters like Mater from Cars or like Minions pop in for one humorous scene and then get the hell out of the picture. Yep. <laughs> and they they did do that to their credit. It wasn't an overload of this guy for a change. That's good. Which that really worked. Um, there were little bits. There were some good training montages. Again, alluding to Rocky. I think they did watch a lot of Rocky <coughs> making this movie. The more I think about it. <laughs> um, yeah, they uh, they use they use training montages. It was weird having a training montage right at the end. <coughs> I thought I thought maybe, you know, like seven-eighths of the way through the movie, we probably should have gotten past the training montage by then, but that's that's when they fit one in. Okay. It's an interesting choice. Usually that's the middle of a movie sort of thing. Yes. Um, but they made it work. Okay. And um, another thing I really liked, I won't spoil it in case there's people listening that really want to go out and see this movie. I think people are pumped for this one. Oh, they, they must be. It's... it's Big, it's big. Um, but right at the end, they do do something with the story. They sort of turn it on its head a bit, take it to a place you might not expect. And I was I was happy with that. It was sort of Pixar. It wasn't Pixar at their best, but it was Pixar at least trying something new, altering a formula, which is where Pixar does its best work a lot of the time. I agree. So uh, I thought that worked really well. As to what didn't work with this movie... Um, it's still cars. It is still a stupid, 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 stupid universe. Where <laughs> I don't understand the rules of this universe. <laughs> there seems <laughs> like some cars go driving off for like hours at a time, driving down highways. Some have to keep stopping. Uh, you know, like. like Lightning McQueen through this movie, there's not a single part of him that's the original 
part of Lightning McQueen, the Lightning McQueen you see at the start of the movie. I mean, and this was in the trailer. He does crash early in the movie. He skids out and he crashes and bits fly off. It's a very dramatic scene. It was done well in the trailer. <laughs> and um, so almost all of him is replaced. So I'm like, these are sentient beings. <laughs> <laughs> this is someone who's died and you've just put random bits that look like him together and he's come back to life. It's, it's Rocky Leeds, Frankenstein of sorts. Yeah. Like I don't understand the rule. How does people? How does anyone die in this world? Like, did they not die? They must die because they, they all went on a big thing after Paul Newman died, where they opened up Cars too with a picture of Doc Hudson, his character from Cars One. It's like, oh, he's dead. Rest <laughs> in peace. But how? <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't understand this <laughs> universe. <laughs> But that's that's what it is. Um, there's still racial stereotypes popping in occasionally. Not as much as in Cars 2. I think Cars 2 was horrific for racial stereotypes. So on a scale from 1 to Mickey Rooney in Breakfast at Tiffany's, oh, how bad is it? It's nowhere near that bad. <laughs> this, this one's around the middle. There's okay. some that pop up. It's just average. Like, like despite the twists at the end, uh, I think anyone who's seen a movie that is older than, say, about 12, will probably see it coming by about halfway through the movie. They've set it up well. About as subtle as a brick. Yep. And you sort of see it coming. You're like, oh, okay, whatever. But it is what it is. There's, and there's stupid things that happen as well. All the sheep are tractors. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to stop complaining about how stupid this world is because it wasn't a bad story. It honestly wasn't. It was an okay movie. So I'm going to give this a solid score of about 2.3, I think. 2.3 out of 5. Solid shipment. Wow. So Glowing praise. Yeah, yeah. No, I, and I got the good one this week. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I'd seen Cars. Yes, so those are our reviews. Um, maybe maybe skip out in the cinema this week. Probably. Yeah. Or, no, independent cinema maybe. This week, it's sort of a bit of a quieter week in the cinema, but we've got a new Will Ferrell comedy hitting our screens. Uh, the House, featuring Ferrell and Amy Poehler, uh, I believe about a married couple who start up a casino in their basement to get their daughter through college, which is a it's a standard it's comedy it's comedy it's premise. It's, I suppose. A, it's a stock setup, but like both actors have done good in the past. Yeah. So what what I thought we'd do. Um, Will Ferrell's sort of one of the few names left in Hollywood at the moment. It's a sort of a weird era where na big name actors don't necessarily sell out films based on their name alone. Like you see a poster with Tom Cruise on it, you go, that's Tom Cruise. But if you go, that also looks horrible, people don't flock to see it. Mm. In the way in the past people might have done if Harrison Ford or Steve McQueen was up on the poster. Yeah. But Will Ferrell's one of those ones that people will go just to see Will Ferrell. Yeah, he's got a pretty hardcore following. Yeah. So I thought it would be interesting to sort of look back at his career and some of the movies he's done in the past. Let's do it. So um, obviously he started off in Saturday Night Live before doing other things. Yep. 
Um, he started off his first film was actually Austin Powers. He did. Yes. He did a small. The man, the man who died like four or five times in the first one. Yeah. And then yeah. comes back for the second one. <laughs> yes. He uh, <laughs> he appears in in the first two Austin Powers movies, and he does a few small movies around then. But the first time we really saw him, I think, in any real big movie was Zoolander. So you've seen Zoolander? Yes. yes. It's so hot right now. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, not not a bad movie, actually, Zoolander. No. It's reasonably it's quotable. It is. Uh, even to this day, I've heard yeah. quoted. No, the, uh, the what is this? The, what is this? The center for ants. Yeah. <laughs> needs to be at least twice as big. <laughs> Um, it, I mean, that movie does belong to uh, to Ben Stiller and Definitely. to a lesser extent, Owen Wilson. Yeah, less said that Owen Wilson the better. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Lightning McQueen. Lightning McQueen, yeah, we're back there again. Um, but Will Ferrell really does ham it up in the villain role. In this. He does. Like, he's, he's very memorable. I think it's sort of set up a trend for him. I think so. Um, <laughs> Incredibly quotable, like mm. even his look in that movie is like yeah, very memorable. And yeah, he's, yes. he does a good job. He pulls that off. And then, of course, he immediately went on and played a villain again in, in Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. <laughs> uh, I think Kevin Smith is one of those directors like you either like him or oh, yeah. really don't like him. Yes. and I'm one of those people who quite like him. Um, Jane Silent Bob Strike Back is probably like the last of his like classically good movies, mm. like that's generally accepted. Um, but Will Ferrell does a really good job. It, like he plays Will Ferrell, <laughs> like he, he, he plays that sort of straight man. Yes. Sort of like he's a dumbass, but he's a, he plays it straight. Um, and like uh, Jay and Silent Bob have a orangutan, and uh, they dress him up in one scene as a little boy, and they convince Will Ferrell that. They're just a gay couple, like J- Jane and Solomon are a gay couple just having a day out with their son, their adopted son. <laughs> and like, and Will Ferrell, they walk out, Will Ferrell's like, God bless you! God! <laughs> you know, it's, it, yeah, it's, it, he's pretty good in it. Yes. So then he sort of got what was probably his first major lead role in a comedy with uh, Old School alongside yes. uh, Luke Wilson. And, yep, uh, Wilson yeah. <coughs> yes. Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn, that's right. The, the most forgettable man in American comedy. Yeah, and um, watch... Uh, Old School's not the only one... Uh, was one of the movies I watched this week to you know, brush up on my Luke Ferrell. And he, he's the most memorable character in it. Aside, It's him and Blue, the old guy in the movie, are the two most memorable characters in it. Um, I, I think that's mostly because of his relationship with Blue. As well, it's, it's my boy Blue. It's my boy. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and it's, again, he's, he, he, he plays like the straight character who's a bit naive. Yeah. And like he, he just ends up doing stupid stuff. Yes. And speaking of na- being a bit naive and doing stupid stuff, his next film was, of course, Elf, the, uh, the Christmas comedy I think, classic. Yeah. I didn't quite <laughs> see this one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he again. He's quite naive. He sort of goes around. He works at the North Pole. He, I forget much of it. I've only, it's been a long time since I've seen this one. But I remember he ends up in New York, 
he thinks every department store Santa is the real Santa that he knows. Uh, he, he falls for a department store elf played by Zoe Deschanel. Of course. Of course. Um, he doesn't understand much at all. He walks into the ladies' bathroom and, you know. Okay. You know, the, the usual stuff. Yeah. Naive, naive. Fish out of water. Yes. Yeah. That sort of led, he sort of did those roles for a while. And then his next major role was probably the one which catapulted him from being a good, solid comedic actor to sort of international superstardom, which was, of course, Anchorman. Yes. There's some great bits in Anchorman. Anchorman, just a lot of the, that comedy works super well. It does. Uh, the, 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 the running gag that I really like is the one where no matter what's written on the teleprompter, he'll read it as written. So if there's a typo or if someone puts a question mark <laughs> <laughs> where there's not meant to be one, he'll just read it as it is. I just love that gag. Where it's like, Stay classy, San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> one of my favourite bits. It's, it's either an Anchorman or Anchorman 2. Where he's doing like um, vocal exercises. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like every time I see that, then help! Help me! <laughs> 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 it's, I love that bit. <laughs> and of course, you've got you've got the uh, the what what's it like to be in love scene. Where <laughs> it's, like, it's like wow. And then you've got you've got Steve Carell in there stealing scenes as well. Mm. One of his early roles. Yeah. As Brick. Uh, pre or post office? It would have been sort of. Or maybe even during? I reckon it would have been early office. Mm. So we're talking 2004. Off the top of my head, Yeah. It was definitely after the British office. Yeah. The, the good one. one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've got. <laughs> I think we did that last time. We, we did. did. <laughs> uh, so, but yeah, you've got those great moments. You've got the. Weird acapella version of Afternoon Delight <laughs> comes in. You've got the street fight, of course. Uh, the, the, the crash in the RV. Yes. And like Steve Crow like slowly, like, like mm. Steve Crow like slowly goes into like the hot fat or something. And yeah. Just <laughs> and uh, oh, you've got Jack Black killing Anchorman Ron Burgundy's dog. <laughs> it's just. Really good movie. It is. It is balls to the wall, and obviously they did a sequel as well. Mm. I don't think the sequel hit quite as well. No, but probably I, I, a few years too late. Probably, I, th- I think it, it did miss mark there. But like, if you watch them back to back, it's yeah, they complement each other pretty well. Yeah, it's a rollicking good time, it and is. it is. It is his sort of signature character now. I think so. Yeah, um, and it changed him away from that sort of naive character. It does a lot of the time into um sort of playing. More arrogant yes. types. He sort of led, and he, he did a few movies, quite a few movies after Anchorman, which we'll skip over because not many of them are that relevant these days, unless you really want to talk about Starsky and Hutch. Yeah, I forgot about that one. But he sort of took that to another level, sort of around, I guess around the mid 2000s, where he started doing sport films, sport comedies, as sort of, as a, as a just as a routine. Yeah, so I think started with Talladega Nights, which he did uh, alongside John C. Riley, and the, the feature of Sasha Baron Cohen. If oh I yes, and then Lecoq. Yes, what was, was that Sasha Baron Cohen? I think it was. Yeah. I don't know. Good old Sasha Baron Cohen. He's done some questionable things. He has. <laughs> uh, don't see Grimsby. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Uh, 
but yeah, so he did. He did Talladega Nights, which was obviously about my favourite turn-left sport. Um, the lightning McQueen. Yes. Yeah. Um, he also did. So shortly afterwards, he did Blaze of Glory. Yeah. Probably, probably oh, his oh. best one of the of the sport movies. And that's not yeah. saying a lot. No. If I'm honest, out of the movies that yeah. I've seen him, it was um, like out of the movies I watched this week, it, this was about the weakest. I guess because I, th- I think like these sport movies came sort of off the back of Dodgeball. Yes. In a way. Which is Ben Stiller. Which is yeah. Ben Stiller's uh, effort into the sport thing, the sport comedy thing. And mm-hmm. I think once you've seen one of these sport comedies, mm. you've kind of got the joke. Yeah. So when there's another one that comes out, it's the same joke generally, mm. different characters and, and a different sport, and but you still kind of know what's going on. Yeah. And it's a lot less effective the second one. Yeah. I think the worst one he did of that run of sport comedies was probably Semi Pro, <laughs> the uh, the one based around the basketball team that Will Ferrell both owns and insists on being the star player on. <laughs> you know, you've got other characters around him. Played by athletic, so tall yeah. basketballer types, and then you've got Will Ferrell who dresses himself like someone who might have come up against Larry Bird in the 1980s <laughs> with an afro and a mustache <laughs> and the really, really short basketball shorts that go just below the bum, <laughs> and then tries to be the super. Sp- and it's just that is the joke of the movie. <laughs> He's that dude. He's that dude. <laughs> And, but yeah, I think, yeah, he sort of did that for a while. And he sort of played the same role. He was arrogant. He sort of took the arrogance of Ron Burgundy, but took away any subtlety to it mm. whatsoever. And then we get to a movie which, I'm not sure, do you like Step Brothers? It's hard to say. I like I'm, bits of it, no, definitely. Like, I've heard people who love this movie. Yeah, so have I. Um, and I've heard people who despise it. And I think I'm sort of in the middle. Watched it. I had some chuckles. Yeah, and that's that, there's there's some highlights like the um the falls on the drum kit. Yeah, that that was pretty funny. Um, the uh, the the bunk bed scene. Yeah, that, that is good. Yeah. Now there's so much more room for activities. We do aerobics. Yeah, <laughs> obviously teaming up once again with John C. Riley. Yeah, I think they have one of he's one of the best team ups that Will Ferrell does. He is, but he like teams up with John C. when you look at uh, John C. Riley's previous filmography and uh, even yeah. his filmography now, it seems so strange. Yeah. Because uh, John C. Riley does some really serious movies now. Yeah. But like a lot of people just as- like just associate him with Will Ferrell and yeah. Step Brothers. Or even things like, uh, what was it, Dewey Cox. Oh, yeah. But that, that wasn't terrible either. No. Like, you know. No, he's pretty good. And now, of course, he does like Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. It's just like, it's like John C. Yeah. Riley's got like a really diverse career. We could yeah. probably do an t- entire episode on him if we yeah, really probably, wanted to. Yeah, we probably to. could. <laughs> Pity he doesn't have a big movie coming out. Yeah, Wreck-It sh- Ralph 2, we'll get to you, John. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, Step Brothers, to me, it's one that sort of gets put up as one of his best. I don't think it's I one of his best. I don't think so Ralph. either. Yeah. But like, it, it's a solid movie, and yeah. there are some definite... I mean, the, pr- the premise itself is ridiculously stupid. Yeah, and I, I think this is like... It, Harkens back to Ferrell's earlier movies that we were talking about, where yeah. he, where he is stupid and naive, but like he f- plays it straight. Yeah, and you know he's just like this arrogant forty-year-old. Like he's a teenager, sort of. Like he's probably like a thirteen-year-old in a forty-year-old body. You know. Yes. And yeah, it, 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 it he actually plays it pretty well. Mm. I mean, then 
he sort of went into a bit of a downward spell looking at his filmography because went into things like Land of the Lost. Which There's only one scene I remember from that, and that's when like a giant mosquito. Yeah, it's it's not good. Yeah. It, it made Nick Cage and the National Treasure, whatever it's called, the ones where he's hunting de- Declaration of Independence. Right. Yeah, that's, that's Ma- what I'm going into. Yeah, yeah it makes makes them look good. Uh, the next one I want to bring up is probably my favourite one of any of Will Ferrell's movies. And it co-stars your old pal Marky Mark, or as I call him in good movies, Mark Wahlberg. Uh, the other guys. Right, I've, I've not seen this one actually. I think it's quite funny. You've got Mark Wahlberg comes in as a... Um, he's a former uprising hotshot cop. Right. And um, he was... He panicked for a big baseball game, big baseball game in town, and he saw patrolling the uh, the the sort of underneath the stadium of this baseball game, and this figure sort of creeps out and jumps out in front of him, and he gets startled and shoots this figure, and it turns out to be the star player of the baseball game. <laughs> <laughs> so of course he gets demoted to desk duty, <laughs> where he's partnered with Will Ferrell, right? Okay, who is a long-term desk duty. Will Ferrell played such a good role in this because he's um he's played portrayed as being very dumpy and very sort of very middle aged, yeah. grumpy old guy, and he keeps sort of going on about like things. He turns out he can drive like a pro racer. He's like Mark Wahlberg goes over to his house one night. He's married to I think it's Eva Mendes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's okay. yeah. And Will Ferrell keeps making jokes beforehand about how ugly his wife is. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, it's a brilliant pairing, and it works so well. It almost feels like it's almost as good in terms of buddy police comedy as Hot Fuzz. That, that level. Like, if I'm picking a police buddy comedy to watch, it's Hot Fuzz or The Other Guys. Okay. I think. That sounds long and crazy. Yeah, Yes, but we've talked about that forever. Um, so since then, he's sort of gone bounce between some pretty weird projects, to be honest. Will Ferrell. He did. Um, I remember reading about this Casa de Mi Padre, which basically was him, and I th- it was all in Spanish. Um, and he did it because he wanted to. It's basically a Spanish telenova done as a film. Okay. <laughs> Um, he learned Spanish for that role, which I found was an interesting, <laughs> interesting thing to do. He's had a few other movies since uh, the campaign. Yeah, that wasn't that good. I no. didn't find that. Yeah, that was a bit. Is that Galifianakis? Mm. That wasn't a pairing that worked. Apparently, he was in the internship, but I forget who he was in that. No, I didn't. I saw that movie once and was pretty um, disappointed. Get Hard is a bit of a dumb film. How much is that? Was because of. Yeah, it was yeah. Kevin Hart. I can't stand that man. <laughs> <coughs> no, I, yeah, good old Kevin Hart. Um, and then Daddy's Home, that was recent. That was another pairing up with Mark Wahlberg. Was it as good? No, any. <laughs> In this case, I'll call it a Marky Mark right. film. Um, but one which he did do recently, which I did want to touch on, was uh, the Lego movie. Have you seen the Lego movie? I had seen that one, but who's Will Ferrell on that? Uh, he's president of business. Ah, oh, right. Yeah. The villain, again, harking back to the old 
Zoolander early in his career, yeah. sort of taking on a villain role. The Lego movie is just a fun movie. It is. It's so good. The only way that you can make that movie any better is to have film it entirely in stop motion, I think. Yeah. Um, but that would have taken yeah, so long. Yeah. We, would, we wouldn't have it. <laughs> yeah. But no, that movie is just a laugh a minute. It is. Yeah. It's one of those movies that I think transcends age. Like yeah. it is it was primarily targeted kids. Yeah. But was And even though again, well made. Again, not a scene with Beryl in it, but uh, I laughed ridiculously hard at the scene where the spaceman's trying to get Siri to turn off the shields. <laughs> so it's like, oh a computer, turn off the shields. One moment. I'm sorry, there are no movie no cinemas near you playing a movie with that title. <laughs> Yeah, it's just such a well-made film. Yeah. And Will Ferrell plays, hams it up. I think that's the thing with Will Ferrell. We'll sort of wrap this up. But the thing with Will Ferrell, to me, is that for when you let him ham things up, like some of the best ones we've been touched on here, the other guys, he's sort of, ham, he's sort of overdoing the straight yeah. man role. Anchorman, such a, such a ham-fisted yes. thing. <laughs> Zoolander is full of ham. Absolutely. Um, um, Lego movie. When he's at his best, absolutely. I think when he's hamming it up, you can just look at some of the times he's been on, uh, been on chat shows in America. Mm. Some of the things I think, just recently, he went on to a Stephen Colbert's show, and commented that Stephen Colbert hadn't done that thing yet, which a lot of late night hosts do, where they get wildlife experts yeah. in to bring in animals every few months and just do a thing like that. So he brought in his own collection of dangerous animals, <laughs> which included a kitten and a chicken. <laughs> Yeah, if you let him loose and let him do fun. whatever he wants, he he's a very funny guy. Yeah. So I don't know. Would you be interested in seeing the house? Is that something? I mean, I'll be seeing it because that's what I'm reviewing next week. Um, look, um, it depends. If it, if if it is Will Ferrell hamming it up, yeah. I'll happily go see it. If, yeah. if it's Will Ferrell in like a sort of I don't know, like pulled back kind of role, um, yeah. I'll probably want to be that, be that interested. Yeah. It's, no. It's very like Will Ferrell is very hit and miss for me. Yeah, like as we've described, he's done some really good movies and he's done some really not that great yeah. movies. That's fair. He's got this one coming up, and then he's got another one this year as well with Daddy's Home Two. Oh, that's what we are. That's what we needed. Yeah, yeah. We all, uh, as you could tell, we loved Daddy's Home. <laughs> <laughs> but that's Hollywood for you. Anyway, so we'll wrap that up here. Absolutely. Um. So. Saxon, thank you for coming on again. No, good. First repeat guest. Yeah, first ever guest and the first ever repeat guest. So feel like feeling like a regular cast member now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Might have put you in the thumbnail. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, uh, if you want to find me, I've I've still got my Twitter, which I haven't really used, but it's still there. If yeah. you want to follow a bloody at a bloody critic or lowercase. Well, you can find him the next time he's on here. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, thank you for listening. I'll catch you next week. Yeah, see ya. See ya. <laughs>